There's certain people that come into your life that change your life. I want to talk about one of those this morning as we get into Scripture. I want to talk about a woman whose life was changed forever because of an encounter she had. I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Mark, if you could. We'll be having some Scriptures on the the screen. But why was in Israel? I went to this place in the Sea of Galilee called uh, Magdala. I visited the city in Israel. And it's interesting, this, this city has an interesting story behind it because what happened is a priest wanted to buy a plot of land in Israel. And to buy a plot of land in Israel is very difficult because what you have to do after you have to apply to purchase it, they, an antiquities team comes in and they basically strip the land to see if they find any artifacts. And if they find anything of value, you can't really buy it. You can use it, but you can't buy it because it belongs to the, uh, the nation of Israel. And so this priest said, either find nothing or find something of great value. Well, the architects went in, the the antiquity team went in, and they discovered a synagogue there. They discovered a boat there. And they discovered that this was actually the location of Magdala. This was it. It was was a place of great value. Jesus taught in the synagogue. In fact, I was there, and I sat in the, the the, the portion of the synagogue, and I was sitting there, and I'm thinking, Jesus taught here. It was, it was surreal. And then they found a fishing boat that was there in that place. And it's a place where Mary Magdalene is from, a place where Jairus' daughter was healed, and the location where the woman with the issue of blood was healed. And it's amazing what they found there. But if we go to the book of Mark, I want to give you a little bit of a background before we jump into it. As we go to the book of Mark, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus had been teaching all day. He'd been preaching all day and he'd been teaching. You see that in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 and on. He'd been teaching all day with the large crowds and he got in a boat and he fell asleep in the boat. And as he fell asleep in the boat, the boat was going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And a cool thing about the Sea of Galilee, have any of you ever been to Israel? Some of you? The Sea of Galilee is unique because it's surrounded by mountains. And even though it's a sea, the way the winds come in there, they really whip up the waters. And it's amazing how rough the waters can become, even though it's not a very big sea. And uh, Jesus got in the boat, and he's tired, so he fell asleep. And you know what happened? A big storm came up. And the disciples, you know, woke Jesus up. We're going to die. We're going to die. And Jesus calmed the storm. <coughs> they quieted the storm. Then they finished a trip across to the sea of uh, the sea to uh, Genesis, where Jesus encountered a demon-possessed man. And we know what happened there after he countered this, this demon-possessed man. What he did was he, he prayed for this demon-possessed man, and he cast the demons out of him, legion, many demons, cast the demons out of him into some pigs. The pigs ran over the hillside and, and died and drowned, and they kicked Jesus out of town for doing it. Hope. She was losing all hope. She had spent everything she had, done everything she could do. But now... She had heard about this man coming to town. She heard about Jesus. Maybe there's a hope there. She was desperate. And and, and, and again, the chance she would take going into that crowd. Without option, she she decided to try. Imagine with me for a minute her moving through the crowd. Probably veiled somewhat with a coat. Probably trying not to touch anyone because if she touched someone and they knew who she was, they would be unclean. They would have to leave. 
and she would be totally ostracized again. So the chance that she took is amazing. If only they knew who she was, they would have scattered from her. Now Jairus again was in the crowd, and he's trying to make his, make his way through the crowd. There was Jesus and his followers, and there were Jairus, and they were trying to make their way through the crowd to get to Jairus' house so Jesus could pray with his daughter. And they're moving through. And this lady comes up from behind. And she's looking for Jesus. There's something on her mind. If only I could touch his clothes, I would be healed. If only I could touch him. It says in Matthew 5, 28. If only I could touch his clothes, I will be healed. Folks, that's faith. How many of us have faith like that woman? If I can only spend some time with Jesus, then what I'm going through could be taken care of. If only I could touch his garment, she said. That was faith that a lot of us don't understand. Amazing faith. She believed before it would happen. That's faith. She was not getting any better. But she said, if I could only... If I could only touch him. The disciples didn't exactly show the same kind of faith as she did. Earlier, remember, they were, on a, they were in a storm on the sea in March 4, uh, Mark 4.40. And Jesus scolded them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? These are the disciples. These are the ones that were following Jesus day by day. Everywhere that Jesus went, they went. Jesus, saw, They saw the miracles. They saw people get fed. <clears throat> Thousands get fed. They saw the dead rise. They saw him heal people. They saw it. They experienced it. Yet when it came to them personally, they didn't know what to do. And Jesus said, oh my. Oh ye of little faith, why are you afraid? The lady is an example of faith, and I believe she's still an example of faith for us today. To just reach out in faith and touch the garment of Jesus. Now we can't do that physically, but we can do that. Jesus is alive and well. In spite of what a lot going on in society today, statistics tell us that the average Christian attends church 1.7 times a month. 20 years ago, it was three times a month. It has dropped in half in 20 years. It concerns me where we're going. They say the church universal is on a decline. Less and less people are going to church. Yet Jesus hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still available to us. And, 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 and one, of my, one of my theme scriptures in Philippians chapter 3, not that I have attained it to become perfect, but one thing I do, I press on to take hold. Take hold of Jesus. This lady just wanted to take hold of Jesus. She believed that she could get a hold of Jesus. Jesus would change her life. That's what she believed. And she, she took a risk to believe that. She took a risk to even encounter that. All I need is Jesus. And I can imagine she was working her way through the crowd. Here comes Jesus. She's working her way through the crowd. And, and, and she finally sees him there. And, and, and what did she do? Did she... You know, did, did, did she 
launch herself to grab him? Did she sneak up behind him? But we do know that what she did do is she touched the hem of his garment. In verse uh, Mark 5, 29, it says, she lunged at him, touched his garment. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. You know the word immediately? You know what that means in Greek? Immediately. Pretty deep, Pastor Dan. You got that? All right. Immediately. So, in other words, as soon as she touched the garment of Jesus, she was healed. That deutimous power that raised the dead, that healed the sick, that multiplied the, the food, that deutimous power that raised Jesus from the dead, that came down in the book of Acts and filled the apostles, that empowered the apostles to go and change the world through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and the same Spirit that lived in Jesus lives in us. That same Spirit that touched her, that when she touched, boom! It happened right away. She touched him and she was healed. And in verse 30, this is great. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out of him and he turned around and cried and said, Who touched me? (laughs) This is kind of funny to me. There are thousands, hundreds, maybe thousands of people around. And Jesus says, who touched me? And, and, you know, the response from the disciples was great. You know, you, you can read it. You know, this is my paraphrase. Hello, who touched you? Look at the people. There's people everywhere. Come on, everybody's touching you. Come on, who touched you? Everybody's bumping up against you. I want you to see something here. There were a bunch of people touching Jesus. They heard about Jesus. They heard he was a healer. They heard about his miracles. Everybody was brushing up against them. All these people were in the presence of Jesus, but not aware of his power. Everybody was there. They were all gathered around Jesus, and they had heard about him almost like a production, but they weren't aware of the power that he had. Except this one woman. What was different about her? She believed that if she could get to Jesus, he would heal her. Makes all the difference in the world. All these other people are gathered around. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter chapter 10, do not forsake the fellowshipping together of saints. A lot of people use that as the scripture for getting to church. And that's true. You know why you come to church? Meet with Jesus. But you shouldn't come to church saying, Pastor Dan, fill me up. If you read that passage of Scripture, it says that there's a number of one another's in that passage in Hebrews. Why are we to have fellowship together of saints? So we can build one another up because the day's approaching. And we come to church and every week we say, I've got to go to church because I've got to get filled for the week. What if you came to church filled? Blow me out of the water. What would you do with a bunch of people 
who came to church filled with the Holy Ghost, ready. I'm telling you what, you'd blow this community up. But we come to church all the time, saying, Pastor Dan preached the word. Worship team, take me into the presence of God. You should be in the presence of God when you come here. The Bible says that he's with us all the time. We shouldn't have to force him. But it's an attitude thing. It's putting ourselves in a position to receive from him. Putting ourselves in an atmosphere to receive from him. The, the, the woman there with the issue, she put herself in a, in, a, in a position. She put herself in an atmosphere mentally, emotionally, and spiritually to receive from Jesus. So what made it different? She believed she'd be healed. This is one of my favorite sayings. The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. I didn't come up with that on my own, but if you put it on Facebook, just say Jeff Marshall, quote, unquote. That's okay. Um, you see... This woman put herself in an atmosphere of expectancy. She expected to meet with Jesus and be healed. And a miracle happened. She was healed. Folks, when we put ourselves in that atmosphere of expectancy, things are going to happen. Look in the scriptures. In the book of Acts, every time they got together in one accord, you see that? In one accord, the Holy Spirit fell and things happened. There's something powerful when people gather together with one mind and one heart and one spirit. Following after the Lord. We all have our idiosyncrasies. We all have our differences. That's God made us that way. And, and, and the point is, what brings us together? Our love for Christ and our desire to see people saved, baptized. What, what a cool thing to have baptism on Resurrection Sunday. That is so cool. Pastor Dan, that is so cool. And, 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 and it's, just a dem it's, a, it's actually what baptism is. It's a physical demonstration of the death, burial, and resurrection. You go down old, come up new. That's what Jesus did. And that, 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 that's so cool. But the, the, the point is that we need to put ourselves in that place. And it's not just Sunday morning. When we get up in the morning, that we put ourselves in a place of expecting God to move in our lives. When we go to work, when we go about our daily uh, routine, do we just have an atmosphere of expectancy in our life? God, I expect you to move in my life today. When we would change our mindset and get there, bam, what would happen? It'd be so exciting. The early church believed that. The disciples believed that everywhere they went, God was going to move. And you know what he did? It's amazing. So we get back to Jesus. Jesus looking around, who touched me? Who touched him? All at once a woman falls at his feet, grabbing him in fear. And she told him what she had done in Mark 5, 32 through 34. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then a woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, uh, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And I can imagine at this point, I can imagine at this point, that, that, uh, that, that Jesus, looking down at her, I, I, I'm not going to hurt you. You just sat in a position where I'm going to use you as a demonstration. Um, 
people, when I, when I passed through the church, nobody would sit in the front row. Because I like to, I, I did like to move around a little bit. And, and um, the lights are a little dim in here today, but I like the lights up. So if I saw someone sleep when I would go and sit next to them as I preached. But anyway. Um, <laughs> but I could just imagine when this woman is down, Jesus went to her and he touched her. Daughter, you are forgiven. You are healed. Rise up. I believe Jesus touched her. She hadn't been touched in 12 years. But I believe he touched her. Now, the scriptures don't really say that, but he, they said he raised her up. And, 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 and to raise her up, it's, it says, then a woman knowing, and he said, daughter, your faith is sealed, you're going, peace, and be free from your suffering. I believe that he touched her because he did touch her. Spiritually, physically, and emotionally, he touched her. And it changed her life. She didn't have to go and have somebody tell her she's free. She's free. She knew it in her body right away. She knew it. God had healed her. Oh, by the way, there's this guy over here named Jairus. Sometimes we forget about Jairus. When you talk about the woman with the issue of blood, oh yeah, there's Jairus over here. Jesus was detoured. And he healed this woman on the detour. It took a few minutes. So it delayed his trip to Jairus' house. This rabbi, what was going on in his mind? Come on, Jesus, we got to go. Come on, Jesus, we got to go. I can imagine. And then a messenger came. A messenger came. And the messenger said, too late, your daughter's dead. Folks, we're always going to have messengers come into our life to tell us news that is hard to hear, that challenges our faith. We're always going to have those messengers to come and say, forget it, it's not worth even going now. Forget about it. Don't worry about it. You tried, it didn't work. You got delayed. Forget it. Don't even come now. Don't worry about it. It's hopeless. It's done. But I love what Jesus, he basically ignored the servant's report and made a declaration of faith. Don't be afraid, just believe. Now they just saw an example of something that was impossible. Of this woman with the issue of blood for 12 years being healed. How much harder would it be for Jesus to go and take care of that? He said, don't be afraid, just believe. One of my favorite uh, evangelists and faith healers of the past is Smith Wigglesworth. And uh, if you're familiar, I just love his name, Wigglesworth. That's just cool to me. Anyway, he said, I am not moved by what I feel or see. I am moved by what I believe. So often we are moved by what we feel and see because that's concrete. But faith is something you can't see. It's like the wind that blows. You can't see it, but you can feel it. It makes a difference in your life. I'm not moved by what I feel or see. I'm moved by what I believe. And this woman was moved by what she believed. So what did Jesus do? Jesus went to Jairus' house. All right, just Pittsburghese came out there. Haas? He went to the Haas. My wife always tells me, please get rid of that word. Don't tell mom I said that, Shoulder, please. Went to Jairus' house. 
He raised her up in life. And the, the, this journey of this day that Jesus had. There's so many other, uh, there's so many of the detours I could take on this journey. But I want to point out three people here to you. Three types of people here I want to point out to you. First of all is the spectator. Come to church because Jesus is here. His presence fills the house. Each week you come, you worship, you leave, changed. Some leave the same way they came in. <clears throat> that day Mary Magla uh, was changed by God. This woman, <clears throat> this woman was changed by God. The crowd, they came and they left the same way. They just wanted to be entertained by Jesus. In fact, Jesus said it sometimes. Some people just come and hang out with me because they want fed. And they want to see miracles. They want to see a show. Sometimes we come to church because we want to see a show. But Jesus is there. If we came expecting Jesus to move instead of just coming expecting a show, what's Pastor Dan going to say this week? What's the worship team going to sing this week? What's going to happen at church this week? No, 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 no. If we came with the attitude... What's God going to do this week? I'm expecting him to do something supernatural. But we come as spectators, happy and willing to stand on the sideline and watch. There was many in this town, a Magdala, that just did that. They just watched what was going on, the spectators. Are you happy to be with Jesus or do you want to be changed? Did God really do a miracle in your life? Did God really change you? We have those people in our lives, these messengers. They bring the bad news. Then we have what I like to call the reacher. The reacher was the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. She said, if I can only touch him, I will be healed. And she reached out to touch him. And she was healed. The reacher. A little bit of faith. Jesus said, uh, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. And he also said, nothing is too difficult for God. The scriptures are full of promises of God that say that he is more than able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can ever ask or think. Nothing is impossible for God. We either believe that or we don't. We either believe the scriptures or we don't. We can't pick and choose what we believe in the word of God. 2 Timothy tells us, all scriptures inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training of saints in righteousness. All scripture. Not just some. Just trust him. This lady was at the end of her rope. Maybe that's you this morning. Time to reach out to Jesus. This woman did. and It changed her life. Don't just be part of the crowd anymore. But reach out to Jesus. Reach out to him. 